Hey, good morning, Lake Point Church. How are we doing this morning? Hey, great. Hey, it's so good to be up here in front of you on this awesome graduate, uh, excuse me, a student takeover Sunday. And uh, how about these guys? How good of a job are they doing? Can we give them a round of applause? Usually, you know, with, with teenagers and stuff like that, you've got to kind of hunt them down to get them to do things. That, but every kid that I came to and asked, they jumped up and they did it without question. And they came up here on stage and, and they fought their fears of stage fright and came up here and uh, led this service. So I, I'm extremely proud of all you, all you students um, from the offering to being up here. Very, very, very proud of you guys. Um, so, hey, I've got a question for everyone here this morning. I want to know what comes to your mind when you think of the word journey. Okay, when you think of the word journey, kind of what pops in your head now, I don't mean the 80s rock band. I see a few of you back here kind of nodding your heads, maybe going back to your high school prom days. Um, that's not what we're talking about here. What I think of, of a journey is a time in our life kind of when, when, when sudden change happens or when, uh, when we go through a period of life where our, our things get kind of turned upside down, and we've got to navigate through that. Now, what I have here, and this is a little bit of a nerd alert on my part, what I have here is a graphic from a video game. Um, so when I think of Journey, this is what popped into my head, this picture right here. Now, don't make fun of me, but this is a video game, and this, this fellow right here has a journey to get across the United States during a post-apocalyptic time, okay? Again, don't laugh at me, but here's the deal. When I think of a journey, you could just see this guy's expression. He's just looking down at that, that road and, and that valley, and he's thinking to himself, oh, boy, I've got a long road ahead of me. And yet that's exactly what pops into my head when I think of a journey. And, um, you know, when we go, through, we go through journeys all the time in our life, and not just with our spiritual life, uh, but with everyday life as well. Um, maybe you changed locations. Maybe you had to move because of a job, and now you're in a new city and a new location, and uh, you've got to adjust to that. Now you're starting a journey with that. Okay? Maybe, um, uh, maybe um, you've, uh, you've um, you, you graduates. Maybe you guys, we've got a lot of graduates here that are, are about to start a journey in their lives. Their lives are about to be flipped upside down in a good way. They're going to start, some of them are going to go into the workforce, some of them are going to go into, um, you know, into school, some of them are going to go to school around here, some of them are going to go away, uh, but they're starting a new journey in their life. And while I tell you kind of the biggest journey that started in my life, I want you to kind of think of one maybe you're going through right now or one you've been through. Um, the first real true journey that started in my life was when I graduated high school. Now, I wanted nothing more than to be a college athlete, specifically college wrestling. I wasn't good enough to go play football, so I wanted to be a college wrestler, not, not the professional wrestling you see on TV. It's the, it's the scholastic wrestling that, you know, they do in the Olympics and all that stuff. So I wanted to go to college and compete and be a collegiate athlete, and that was what I wanted to do. And I remember um, during our senior night, uh, I can't remember the school we wrestled, but, you know, we wrestled, we did well. Um, a coach from Kennesaw State came up to me, and he was already recruiting some of my other teammates. They were a lot better than I was. But he came up to me, and he said, hey, man, I like your style. I like the way you attack. I like the way you go after people. I want you to come wrestle for Kennesaw State. Would you like that? I was like, yeah, of course I would. That would be great. I would love that. So that's when I, that's when I knew, hey, I'm going to go be a college wrestler. This is awesome. Well, about a month later, he got fired, and the program got shut down. Uh, so that dream 
kind of got shot down. But what that coach did for me is he put my name into a recruiting pool. And uh, um, I got a phone call one night, uh, actually before the state tournament in, in March of that year, and it was from Jim and Dave Hayeswinkle. Now, these guys were Olympic-level wrestlers in the 1968 and 1972 Olympic Games. And they were the head coach of a school in Alabama called Marion Military Institute. They called me. They offered me a scholarship over the phone. It was pretty awesome. So I didn't think twice about it. I didn't look anywhere else. I said, I'm taking that right now. I think that's meant for me. I'm going to go there. Now, I had it pictured in my mind going to college. You think of college, you think of sleeping in, rolling out of bed, going to class, playing ultimate frisbee on the campus. You know, that fun atmosphere. You know, you're doing a great thing by um, getting a college degree and uh, getting a good education, but you, th those things come with it. It's going to be awesome, right? It didn't really click that the military part of that is in the title of that school. And when I spoke to, you know, the admissions people that were telling me about it, they didn't really, they ah, you know, yeah, you know, we'll salute every now and then. You know, you'll, you'll have to take some R. You'll be like an ROTC student. No big deal. No big deal. I can handle that. If I get to go wrestle in college on a scholarship and get an education, junior college, and then transfer, I'm all, I'm all for it. So we go down. I take the visit. And of course, it's the summer, so nothing's going on, so I can't really get a good read of it. But I met my coaches, and uh, one of my teammates actually went with me. He attended the school with me. And uh, we go home. We feel great about it. We come back in August, um, I get there, you know, a lot of freshmen there, a lot of freshmen, uh, you know, getting their stuff together and everything, and the first thing that kind of threw me off was, as soon as I got out of the car, I was handed a, a, uh, a bag that had a very dull mesh color to it, really, and it had like some digital writing on the side, and we were in a single file line, and um, okay, this is weird. So we go through the line, and we get to the table, and I get a stack of clothing that every single article of clothing is the exact same. And I look around, and I notice every single article of clothing that everyone else has is the exact same. And everyone had the same haircut. And they give me that clothing. I put it in my bag. I go through the line. Then I get some formal uniforms, some button-up shirts uh, with some pants that already had a seam in them, some dress shoes. And I'm like, okay, something weird's going on here. And these dorms we went to, they took me to my dorm. They broke us up into companies. My name, mine was Alpha Company. If you're not familiar with the military, they kind of do that. They, Alpha Company, Bravo Company, all that stuff. But they did it the same way at the school. And I got into the dorm, and here's when I knew I think I might have gotten myself in trouble. I walked through the door, and at the end of the hallway, I see three students about my age at the end of the hallway, kind of at a fast pace. And then I see a large man in a drill sergeant hat running right behind them, screaming at them, referring to them as private, last name, whatever their name was, screaming at them down the hallway. And I thought to myself, oh, no, what did I get myself into? Well, let me just tell you what I got myself into. It was legitimately a military college, okay? We had to wear uniforms. They had to be ironed and pressed a certain way. We had to make our beds keep our rooms clean. They did bed checks. They did room checks. Honey, I know that didn't quite stick, but they did it there. Um, we had to be at a certain place at a certain time. If we weren't there, if we did something wrong, if we missed class, graduates, you can skip class in college. I don't advise it, but you couldn't skip class where I was, okay? If you skip class, you got something called penalty hours. And let me just tell you what those were. An outdoor basketball court, 
okay? Normal-sized basketball court. For however many hours you got, you had to march that basketball court for however many hours you got. If you didn't get them done, you got kicked out. So that was my first two years of my college experience. Now, I talk about the bad, but I think that journey helped me so much because one thing it taught me is you have to be mentally prepared for anything. You got to be mentally prepared for change, and when things don't go your way, when things aren't what they seem, you got to be tough enough to deal with it. And number two, I got a great, great college wrestling experience. I learned from great coaches. I had great teammates who were way better than me that kicked my butt for the first three months. I mean, I don't think I scored a takedown in practice for the first month, but they made me better. And what that's done is that's translated to my coaching now. Now when I coach my kids, I know great technique that I've learned from those guys. And overall, that journey really helped me just become a stronger person. And of course, I got my associate's degree, which allowed me to transfer uh, to a four-year college and continue my wrestling career and my education. But I want you to think about a journey that you've been on in your life or a journey that you're going through right now. Something that happened in your life that kind of turned things around and made you look and say, oh boy, we've got a long road ahead of us. This is going to be tough. Maybe your car broke down and financially things are tight and the, the expenses outweigh the income. I've been there. Maybe, um, maybe you've... Um, you've got a family member that's had a bad health screening. And maybe that's kind of, you're on a journey now with them, right? You and your family are on a journey to make it through that and uh, to hold together and, and be strong. Maybe you're, gonna, maybe you're on a new journey that's pretty good, right? Maybe you've got a job promotion and now you've got to figure out how to navigate through that and, and, and take advantage of that and give God, um, give God the glory for that. But church, here's what I want to share with you this morning. No matter where you are on your journey, no matter what you're going through, how difficult it may be, God is by your side every step away of that journey. Now, some of you today might not totally believe that. Some of you today may be going through, an, uh, through some issues where, um, you know, he doesn't feel like he's right there. You feel like you're kind of spinning your wheels. If that's you today, whether it's you or not, but if that's you today, I'm especially glad you're here today because, hey, I don't have all the answers. In fact, there's a lot of you that probably have more answers than I do, but what I have is this book, and in this book, I believe everything that it says, and I believe that it was meant for me and you to live our lives in a way of, that God calls us. I also have um, experiences in my life that I know that God is with you by your side no matter what. And we're going to dive into that um, in, in God's Word, and we're going to dive into that, and I'm going to share with you kind of what's happened in my life. First verse I want to start with, I just want to set the tone with this verse, just so you know we're going to be in the book of Matthew. Uh, but if you have your Bible, uh, first place we're going to turn to is Isaiah chapter 41, verse 10. And if you have your Bible, obviously you can use that. There's also the uh, Version Bible app. It's a great app. I love it. Um, and then we'll also have the verses on the screen here um, for, for you to look at. So Isaiah chapter uh, 41, verse 10. So do not fear, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Heavenly Father, 
we come to you with reverence, we come to you with open hearts, and we come to you just wanting to hear from you this morning. God, we know that we go on journeys, and we know that uh, life has ups and downs, and we know that things happen in our life that sometimes we can't control, but God, we want to know how to deal with that this morning. We want to know what your plan is for our lives when we go through a journey, when we go through a sudden change. And most importantly, we want to follow you through that. We want to be faithful to you. Please open up the scriptures and let us hear what your word says on how we can deal with that. And uh, just please let these words jump off the page to us and let us grow closer to you this morning. In your name I pray. Amen. So now we're going to flip to Matthew chapter 4. We're going to be in, in the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And we're going to talk about when Jesus was tempted in the wilderness. Now this is pretty early in the gospel. Um, you know, after Jesus has been baptized. Here we go. Verse, uh, chapter 4, verse 1. Then Jesus was led by the Holy Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. After fasting for 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. The tempter came to him and said, If you are the Son of God, tell these stones to become bread. Jesus answered, For it is written, Man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. So Jesus, he's, uh, I want you to understand something very, very early in that verse. He was led to the wilderness to be tempted. Keep that in mind. We're going to come back to that. But Jesus was on a fast. He was on a long fast, a 40-day and 40-night fast, a fast that probably only Jesus can do. I know I probably, that'd be very difficult for me. Obviously, with the glory of God, you can do anything. And if you've been through a fast like that, uh, praise the Lord for you. Uh, but Jesus is on this fast, and the devil knew what his weakness was at the time. The devil knew that, hey, I know this guy's hungry. I know how to get him to fall into my trap. So he tells Jesus, hey, turn these stones to bread if you're the man of God. Now, I can only imagine, we only hear what, how Jesus responded, but I can only imagine the temptation that was in his mind. Gosh, man, I'm so hungry. I'm sure if you go without food for 40 days, even stones look good. And he was, he was I, I can't imagine how close he was ready to give in. But what Jesus did is he turned to something that was more everlasting than the food that would have provided him satisfaction. He turned to the word of God. He said the word of God is the only thing that can supply us. You see, in our journey, we're going to face temptation all the time. We're going to face temptation all through our journey. It's just how it is. It's just part of life. Um, I think a big part of our temptation is our social environment, right? The temptation to fit in, the temptation to kind of go with the flow of how the world is, and the temptations to kind of turn on your faith a little bit and kind of live. Maybe it's okay if I just go to this party. Maybe it's okay if I just kind of lean this way. I'll come back to God. I'll do it. But maybe it's okay if I just kind of uh, go this way. Another area of temptation could be when something bad happens to you and you kind of turn against God, right? That temptation to be like, man, why would he do this to me? Why would he attack us like this? And then maybe you miss a Sunday of church, and then that turns into two and three, and maybe you miss a small group. A temptation can be there. But like Jesus said, the Word of God gives us specific instructions on how to defeat temptation. The Word of God is our how to live 
um, encyclopedia when it comes to temptations, when it comes to things that attack us in our life. This word, this book right here, gives us instructions to live a strong life of faith. And let me tell you how. When you go through something difficult in your life and you turn to Scripture, those Scriptures have things for you to do. Spend time in prayer. Reach to me. Reach to the Father. Give your life to Christ. Those specific instructions can carry you away from the temptation that's tugging at you. And I can give you an example of my life. Most of you probably won't really believe this. I try to put off a, a, a very uh, friendly vibe, and I am a friendly person. Don't take, that, don't take that the wrong way. But I have dealt with anger in my life. I have dealt with it. Um, I'll kind of get into my testimony, you know, as we go down. But I think those things have kind of affected me and kind of carried with me. And just recently, um, I don't know, about maybe three or four months ago is when I feel like I've really conquered uh, this temptation. But I felt like anger has kind of creeped into my life. And it's just little things, you know. Somebody cuts you off at the intersection. Um, somebody steps on your shoe or somebody cuts you off at the mall. Or maybe you feel like somebody maybe eyeballed your wife, which I'm sure that's something you should be mad at, but maybe they weren't, and you just took it that way because you feel the anger kind of in your, in your soul. I don't know what it is about Highway 61, but I work, at, uh, work for Paulding County Parks and Rec. I'm a program coordinator. I put together programs for kids and, you know, the community and things like that. I don't know what it is about Highway 61 heading to Paulding County. See, my, head, my mornings are hectic. I got to get the kids now. I got to get the kids ready. Um, you know, got to get them to grandma's, and I got to get to work. But I don't know what it is about that highway that not everybody has that same mentality. It's kind of a joy ride to wherever they're going, and you're just going and going, and you see that clock ticking closer to 8 o'clock or 8.30 or whenever I have to be, and you could just feel that GPS, because sometimes I get so nervous about that, I have to GPS and say, man, what time am I going to get here? And you see it bumping up and bumping up and bumping up, and that's when the anger would hit me, like, come on, man, speed up. Hawk your horn, say some things I regret, and what really got me that I have a problem is when my beautiful wife in the car with me said, why are you so upset about that? He's going the speed limit, you know, something along those lines. And that's when I realized, okay, okay, maybe there's a temptation in my life to be angry that's causing me to, to sin. Let me tell you the scripture I turned to that helped me out, a very simple scripture, Psalms 37, I know, you know, I've asked you to turn a lot, and it should be up here, but Psalms 37, verse 8, refrain from anger and turn from wrath. Do not live, do not, or excuse me, do not fret, it only leads to evil. When you hear those scriptures, when you hear those words, for me, that created a kind of a cue in my head. When I feel anger coming, do not be angry. Do not be fret. It's only going to lead you to evil, Joe. It's only going to lead you to bad things. Let it go. Forgive. Pray. When you dive into these scriptures, when you face a temptation, and you dive into the Bible, it gives you instructions like that for you to defeat that temptation that's coming in your life. And I know this to be true because it helped me get through that season of my life. The Bible gives you instructions to attack the temptations that are coming at your life. And if you follow those instructions, if you can follow those as best and as closely as you can, reach out to the Lord in prayer when those temptations come, he's going to help you through your journey. This scripture can get you through your journey when those temptations are attacking you. And that's exactly what Jesus did when the, when the first round of temptations came his way. He referred to the word of God. And I challenge you, if you're facing a temptation today, 
Go run to the word of God. Hey, we're going to jump back in Matthew because the devil's not done with Jesus. He's going to keep tempting him, just like this world sometimes isn't done with us. Matthew chapter 4, verse 5. The devil uh, took him to the holy city, and he had uh, stood on the highest point of the temple, and he said, if you are the son of God, he said, throw yourself down, for it is written. He will command his angels concerning you, and they will lift you up from their hands as your your foot will not strike a stone. And here's how Jesus responded. Jesus answered him, it is also written, do not put your Lord God to the test. So the devil comes after Jesus in kind of a prove it moment, right? He says, hey man, if you're the son of God, jump off this cliff, you'll be fine. Go ahead, do it. And what's crazy about it is he tries to manipulate Jesus because in the verse where it says he commanded his angels concerning you, he quoted Psalms 91 verse 11. He quoted the Psalms of David and other great writers. He quoted them to try and trick Jesus into falling into uh, that sin. But Jesus, like he always does, he responded to that. He said, you are not to tempt the Lord of God. He is the Alpha. He is the Omega. He is the creator of the universe, and he has love for every one of you. He created every one of you, and he is not to be tempted. But what will be tempted is your faith. What will be tempted in your journey is your faith, just like Jesus was tempted right here. You see, during our journey, your faith is going to be tested. And I don't mean to tell you that to scare you. I just mean to tell you the truth. It's going to be tested in all different ways that you go in your life. It's just how it is, and that's just how it goes sometimes. But I want to encourage you, when your faith is tested, to see that as an opportunity. I know that sounds crazy, but during your journey, maybe you've got a, maybe like I said earlier, you've gotten a bad health screening in your family. Maybe your faith is tested because you're down on yourself. You're down on what's happening with your family, and maybe you just feel like, man, this is the worst that could happen. We're so upset about this. How are we going to get through this? Students, your faith is going to be tested on a regular basis, which I'm sure you've probably already experienced. Same thing with graduates. When you go to college or the workforce, the environment you're in is not always going to be an easy one. The environment you're in is sometimes going to test you to go the wrong way. Sometimes those people are going to be pulling at you. Hey, man, why don't you just come out with us tonight? Even though you know that what they're doing is not part of God's plan for your life. Your faith's going to be tested because we want to fit in. We want to be accepted. Even us adults, we want to fit in. We want to be accepted. But sometimes when our faith gets tested, it pulls us in that direction. Maybe your marriage is in a bad spot. And I, I surely pray that that's not the case, but maybe it is. Maybe you're struggling right now with the covenant of God created marriage for you. Maybe you're struggling with that right now because things aren't going so well. Maybe you're starting to question it and you're starting to question what God has in store for your marriage. All these things are tests of our faith and all these things can attack our faith and push us around. And it kind of makes me think of the Apollo, uh, the, Apollo the Creed series that Pastor Frank did uh, about having our faith beat up. But I will tell you this, church, I will tell you this. This verse right here lets me know that God is with you at all times when you're being tested in your faith. Blessed is the one who perseveres under trial because having stood the test that that person will receive the crown of life that the Lord has promised those who love him. I want to read it again for you because I didn't call out the verse. James chapter 1, 
Uh, now to be in verse 12. Blessed is the one who perseveres under trial because having stood the test, that person will receive the crown of life that the Lord has promised for those who love him. Blessed are the ones who stand up to the test of your faith. Blessed are you when you stand up and you look at that test uh, of your faith in the eye and say, I'm going to run to Jesus. I'm going to run to God during this. You see, what I love about that verse, it talks about the crown of life. Now, I don't know necessarily exactly what that means, but I do know this. What the crown of life means to me is when you, when you obtain that crown, when you run from the test of your faith and you put that crown on your head, what that means is you are receiving the love of God and Jesus Christ. What that crown does is that gives you strength to fight through the, the test of your faith. It gives you his love, his glory, and it gives you the power to look through that test of faith that's in your, that's in your face, and you run through it with that crown on your head. Because what happens when you, stand up to, when you stand up to sin, when you stand up to test, that crown gets bigger and bigger and more beautiful. And when you've got that crown as big and as beautiful as you can make it because you stood up to the things that test you, it makes you a stronger Christian, and it makes your faith impeccable because you believe what God has pulled you through. Blessed are the ones who stand up to that health screening that's got your family down. Blessed are you when you pull your family in tight, when you hear about that, whatever that illness is, when you pull your family tight and you say, hey, we're going to get through this. We're going to read scripture. We're going to pray together. We're going to pull through this. We're going to let God come in on this situation. Blessed are you when you step up to that and the crown of life is on your head. Blessed are you when your marriage is falling, when your marriage is struggling, and you step up and you say, honey, I want to get through this. I want to bring God into this marriage. I want us to step up and bring this together. Blessed are you when you reach out to God for help in your marriage. And blessed are you, students. This is probably my favorite thing ever. Blessed are you, students. When you get pulled and you get tested, and that group of friends says, hey, man, we're going to go out and do this, this, and this, and you look at that and you say, you know what, I think I'm going to go home because I don't believe that that's what God has planned for me this evening. And you go home. And yes, you turned away from, yes, you might be getting rejected. Yes, you might have turned away from uh, what everybody else is doing. But let me tell you something. Blessed are you for turning away from that and putting the crown of life on your head. Blessed are you for standing up to that faith. When we do that and we put that crown on, when we stand up to faith, we become stronger our love for God becomes greater, and our relationship grows even tighter. I've got a friend, um, I'm not going to mention any names or anything, but um, they got a bad health screening at one time, and uh, um, cancer, obviously that's a scary one, um, and you know, doctors were telling her treatments and things that she's going to have to go through, and the one thing that she did not do is she never, ever lost her faith in what God was going to do. She told the doctors God is going to heal me. And unfortunately, I think some doctors kind of scoff at that. You know, not all doctors, but I think some of them kind of do. And I think that was kind of the case here. But she did not let her faith rattle. She told that doctor, I'm going to make it by the power of God. He's going to heal me. He's going to get me through this. He's going to give me strength throughout this process. By the glory of God, he did. She ended up becoming healed. And let me tell you what else happened. That doctor looked at her and said, I don't know how you did that. I don't know how you were so strong throughout this process, but we want you to go to other patients and share that message to them to give them hope. 
She stood up to the test of faith that was coming. She put that crown on her head, and it became beautiful, and she became a symbol for other people going through, um, going through you know, the issues that they had. Church, when, tempta- I mean, excuse me, when your faith gets tested on your journey, don't fret. Don't put your head down. Don't, and I know it's hard. Believe me, I know it's hard. But look at that test of faith as an opportunity to grow. That is an opportunity for you to grow, not only in your own faith, but your love for God and to be an example for other people. Now, we're going to go back to the last part of, um, of Jesus' adventure in the wilderness. Um, I think this part, I think this is, might be my favorite part because I think it's very relatable to what we go through. And we're going to be in Matthew, again, uh, verse 8. Again, the devil took him to a very high mountain, showed him all the kingdoms of the world, all their splendor. And, and he said, all this I will give you if you will bow down and worship me. Jesus said to him, turn away from me, Satan, for it is written, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. So now uh, the devil tries a new tactic. He said, you know what? I'm going to try riches. I'm going to try power. And I'm going to try and make Jesus give in to those, um, those things. And Jesus stood up to him by saying, you worship your God only. And all those things are just blessings. And I think that relates to us so much. I'll tell you, I know just from my experience, I think the world really pushes, especially on young people, really anyone in general, but I think the world really pushes money, success, status, where you are, um, you know, in your social status. I think the world puts pressure on us as citizens to obtain that and make that our center of our life. You got to have money. You have to go to school. You have to do this. You have to, you have to own a business. You have to be a CEO. I think the world really, and I say on young people because I heard that, you know, going through college. That's really got hammered to me. And those things are great. It's great to have, uh, you know, money. It's great to have uh, a good status. great to have a great job. But the problem with that is, is when it becomes your everything, it becomes an idol. Now, an idol is something that you worship above the Lord your God. An idol is something that you worship above the Lord your God. And those idolistic things, money, status, all those things, here's the thing about that. Like I said, it's great to have them, but when they become the center of your heart and they become the center of your being, those things are going to run out and they're going to let you down every time. You can hand me $10,000 right now. I'm going to be pretty excited until it runs out, and then I'm going to be bummed out. And it may take a while. I may invest it, you know. I may let it sit for a while, and it may grow and grow and grow and grow, but years down the road, one day it might go, and here I am left with nothing. Your job title, your social status, all those things, all those things can change like that. You could be the CEO of a company, and they, they fold the doors. Say, hey, it's not working. And you're left with nothing. You're let down by that. In Romans chapter 8, verse 39, it says this, 
Neither height nor depth nor anything else in all creation will be to separate us from the love of God that is Christ our Lord. What's that mean, Lake Point Church? That means that God's love is everlasting, it's forever, and it will never run dry on you. It will never leave you. Money, success, power, fame, idols, they can leave you in an instant, but the love of God and the love of his son, Jesus Christ, will never, ever leave you. That is something that you can tap into for the, all eternity, not for just the rest of your life, all eternity. He sent his son, Jesus Christ, to pay the debt and, and make way for a new covenant of our lives, and that is eternal. All the other things, they're blessings. Keep God in the center of your life and let those other things be blessings. Don't do it the other way around. Don't have those things in the center of your life and, and, and God is just the blessing because what's going to happen is one day it's going to run out and you're going to be left. But when God is the center and those things run out, you can tap into his love at any point in time and he's going to get you through that journey. He's going to get you through whatever, whatever it is you're going through. I'll tell you a great example in the Bible uh, of that kind of principle is the story of Gideon. I don't think this is a part of the story of Gideon that people really talk about enough. Um, and I'm just going to kind of paraphrase it. Um, we won't break down the scriptures verse by verse. But Gideon was a man who was kind of small in stature. He was not seen as a leader. He really was not seen as someone who's going to go out and lead an army. And this is about the time where um, Moses delivered the Israelites out of, out of slavery uh, by the glory of God. Joshua delivered them to the promised land. But at this point in the story where the Israelites, not all the promised land had been conquered. It was still inhabited by Canaanites and Midianites and other groups who were not a part of God's plan, who were living in sinful ways. God wanted the Israelites to take that land and be his people. But at this point in the story, that wasn't the case. So what God did is he brought up judges who were military or political leaders to help do that. One of them was Gideon. Now, like I said, Gideon was not the kind of guy who is going to do that. Um, he was not a strong leader. But the great thing about God is he calls us for what he wants us to be, not who we are. He called Gideon to lead the Israelites to take over that promised land. Now, Gideon does that. Um, it's, it's really amazing stuff. He takes down an entire army without swinging a sword at one point. I, I really encourage you to read it in, in the book of Judges. Um, he takes down an entire army, but the problem is that Gideon lets that status and lets that success and lets all those things he accomplished come in his heart instead of God. Instead of what God blessed Gideon with, he lets those things take his heart over. Now what happens and how we know this is because he went from tearing down idols that were pulling the Israelites away from God to building idols up for himself. At the end of his story, he actually went from uh, all the, uh, all the uh, uh, things that they retrieved, the gold, the silver, and all that from one of the battles, he actually built an idol of himself. He lost sight of God being in the center of his life. He lost sight of that, and he became an idol, or he became a worshiper of an idol. And that's not what God has planned for your life. Keep God in the center of your heart and let those other things be his blessings and give him the glory when they, when, they, um, uh, when they come your way. Now, I want to, uh, final verse in Matthew, and I love how this ends. I, I just, I love how this ends. Verse 11, then the devil left him, and the angels came, and they attended him. 
The devil left him, and the angels came, and they attended him. The devil left him because he couldn't, Jesus couldn't be broken. And the angels came and picked him up. And can I tell you guys something? You're not Jesus. I'm not Jesus. We're not as powerful as Jesus. But you, with God by your side, can't be broken. You, with God by your side, cannot be broken. And I know that's hard to believe. I know you might be going through something that's, that's really weighing you down. You might be going through something where your tires are spinning. But I can tell you, church, God is with you and by your side through that journey. He's not going to leave you. He's going to see you through it no matter what you're going through. And like I told you in the beginning, I don't have the answers. I don't have all the answers. But I have this book and I have my own life experience. So I want to go back to the story, and this is how I can tell you that God is with you through whatever journey you're going through, because I should not be here right now. I should not be standing here in front of you. Now, I'm not saying I've made it or I've arrived or anything like that. I'm, I'm just like every one of you. I just happen to have a microphone, and I'm on an elevated surface. I'm no different than any of you, okay? But I shouldn't be here. I shouldn't be with the Lord based on the circumstances that I've came up with, and people have had it way worse than me, but I should not be here today. Now, I'm very blessed. I have a beautiful wife. We have two children, um, and we're part of an amazing church, but none of that should be for me today. When I told you that story about me uh, going to uh, Marion Military Institute, um, I was not walking with the Lord at that time. Now, I had been saved back in high school. I'd been saved. Um, you know, we said the prayer, but there wasn't a whole lot of, wasn't a whole lot of oomph behind it. And it was more of a ceremonial thing and not a relationship thing like it should be. So I was not, I knew of God. I knew of him, but I didn't know who he was. I knew of Jesus, but I didn't know who he was. I didn't even really understand fully what the cross meant. So when I was, when I was at that school, Marion Military Institute, I was not walking with the Lord one bit, and I can tell you what, it was not pretty. The things I was, things I was into, the things I was um, doing in my life just was not what God had planned for me. But God was always, always, for some reason, in the back of my mind. He was right there the whole time. And so I graduated from Marion Military Institute I got my associate's degree, and I went to Georgia Southern University um, to, you know, get my four-year degree and to continue wrestling. I had the opportunity to do that, so that was very exciting. I finished my, uh, got there my junior year, met my teammates, got settled in. I actually ended up staying with uh, somebody I went to high school with. I lived with them off campus, so I got settled in really, really nicely. Great school. I loved it. Um, here's when I knew God was, he never left me. When I joined the wrestling team, we had our uh, head coach, obviously. We're a small team, so we only had one coach, but we brought on an assistant coach. His name was Nick Neighbors. Awesome guy. From the first day we met him, you know, he seemed really cool. Actually, a really good wrestling coach. Knew a lot of great technique. Helped me out a ton. Um, in fact, I lost to somebody from University of Central Florida five times in a row. Nick came and helped me beat that guy. So that just, that just shows you how great of a coach he was. Um, but he was also a great man, and we could tell that from the beginning. So he started asking my teammates, hey, you want to go to lunch? You guys want to go to lunch? And he hadn't made it to me yet, but he asked a few of my teammates, and, uh, and they were like, yeah, sure. So I'm sitting in my, uh, sitting in my apartment one day, and um, uh, they come in, and I was like, hey, how was lunch with Nick? 
And they just kind of looked at me. They were like, well, it was good, but he, like, started talking about God and Jesus. It kind of freaked us out a little bit. We didn't see that coming. When I heard that, my heart sunk because I knew, oh, boy, he's coming for me, and I better be ready. So Nick finally made it to me at practice one day. He said, uh, you know, we got done, and, um, you know, we were getting ready to walk out. He said, hey, man, you want to go to Chick-fil-A? Just me by myself. He said, hey, you want to go to Chick-fil-A? And I said, oh, yeah, absolutely. But I knew what was coming. I knew what was coming my way. And so, like, for that whole day, or the next day, I was just mentally preparing myself. What am I going to say when he asked me that? Should I even tell him? Like, my testimony is kind of bad. Like, should I share it with him? And we get to Chick-fil-A. You know, we're, we're having a normal conversation. Nick's an awesome guy. You know, we're talking about college football and all this fun stuff. But I'm just waiting on it to drop. I mean, I could feel it coming. I know it's going to drop. I'm trying to eat my chicken sandwich, and I'm just I'm shaking a little bit because I know it's coming. And sure enough, it comes. He says, what's your spiritual life like? And my response was, you mean God? And he said, yeah, yeah. You know, what are your thoughts on it? No pressure. And I told him my testimony. I told him that basically, hey, I've come from, you know, not, not the, you know, I, I don't want to, my parents were great, but I did come from some, um, some alcohol abuse in the home. And, uh, you know, my dad, my stepmom, they, they took me in when that stuff kind of got, got crazy. And they did a good job with me, but there was still a little bit of disconnect with the family. So, you know, I just explained to him, hey, this is kind of the road I've been on. And, you know, here I am. And I told him, listen, I know God, or I know of God, but I don't know him. And I always had this picture where you had to be at a certain level before you accepted Jesus. Like, you had to be a good person before that happened. And Nick told me, no, no. First of all, you're not a bad person because God created you. That makes you a good person. Secondly, Jesus comes after you no matter what. He's been with you this whole time, Joe. That's what he told me. He's been with you this whole time. All you got to do is reach out for him, grab his hand, walk with him. You want to do that today? We can. We don't need to sign anything or like we don't need to submit anything to like the Central Church of, of America or anything like that. And he was like, no, we could take care of that right now. And church, let me tell you, that was the day that my life changed. I got into our campus ministry. Um, that he was actually on staff, forgot to mention that. He was on staff for the uh, college campus ministry called GSU Crew. Um, and that's where we got plugged in. My friends, my teammates got plugged in with Jesus. We, we accepted Christ. Um, I actually really, truly accepted Christ that day. And from that day forward, I didn't look back. Now, I'm not here to tell you I'm perfect. I make mistakes a lot, okay? But I know that no matter what journey I go through, God is with me. He's walking right beside me no matter what, and he's walking right beside every one of you no matter what. The main point I want you to take away from that story of Jesus being tempted in the wilderness is sometimes God pulls you to the wilderness. Now, don't forget the first verse of, that, of chapter 4 in Matthew says, Jesus was led to the wilderness to be tempted. He didn't say Jesus kind of walked in the wilderness and got tempted when he got there. He was led to be tempted. And I truly believe that God did that. Let me ask you something. If Jesus is going to be the son of man, he's going to be the savior of mankind, don't you think he would have to go through some stuff first? Don't you think um, he would have to be built for that? So God sent him to the wilderness to be tempted by the ultimate tempter in Satan, and he overcame it by walking with the Lord. And I think he pulls us to the wilderness sometimes. 
He pulls us to the wilderness because he wants to show you how powerful he is. He wants to show you how much he loves you. And he wants to show you that with his power, you can get through anything. Now, I know some of you may be going through something right now where you're like, I don't feel like he's with me right now. I know for a fact he is. Because if he came and got me, if he came and got me in the spot that I was in, he is right there with you. Maybe you just need to take a step. Maybe you just need to put your, hold your hand out for him because his hand is out there for you. And if you're in a spot today where you're in the wilderness but you're stuck, you're stuck and your tires are spinning and you can't get out, we can fix that for you today because I know that God is right there with you. His love is eternal for you. He puts you in the wilderness to make you stronger. He puts you in the wilderness to make your faith stronger, to make you a stronger believer. And when you come through something with somebody, when you come through something difficult, whether a friendship goes bad and you guys work it out, or, you know, students, you work on a project with somebody and and you guys work on that, you come closer. When you get through the wilderness with God by your side, you become closer with him. And that makes you a stronger Christian in his faith. And let me tell you, that's all he wants for you to do. He wants you to be with him. He wants you to walk with him. And if you're stuck in the wilderness today and you can't move, we can fix that. We can pray and we can get God, get your hand with God, and you can walk through that wilderness because he will pull you out of it. He will. Graduates, I don't know how many of you guys are here today, but... You know, students in general, this is a message for you guys too. Um, Or even if there's people in college here today, this is, you know, this could apply to you too. You guys are are experiencing change right now. You know, you're about to go through a a sudden change in your life where you're going to either be far away at a new school, you're going to be here. Um, Even if you're here going to school or you're here working, your routines are going to change, your journey is going to change, things are going to change. And not all for the positive. You're going to be in a new social environment that might be trying to pull you in different directions. But just remember this, students. God is right there with you on your walk. Don't let him get away from you. He's not going to leave you. Just like the parable of the hundred sheep and the one that gets away. Jesus is going to come find you no matter where you stray off to be. God is going to be with you. It's in this book It's been in my life, and there's other people in this church who have similar experiences. He's there with you. So what I want to do is I'd like to to close in prayer. And, um, you know, if you're in something right now, if you're going through something in the wilderness right now and you feel stuck, don't be afraid to come talk to me. Like I said, I'm just like every one of you with a microphone, and it just so happens that, you know, I talk to students on Wednesday nights about Jesus. I'm just like every one of you. I've gone through struggles myself. Come find me. Let's pray. Come find Pastor Frank. Let's pray. Let's get you out of that wilderness today. But the good news is you're not there because of something you did. You're probably there because God's putting you there to make you a stronger person in faith. So what I want to do is I want to lift up this church. I want to lift you up if that's you today or if you know somebody that's going through the wilderness today. I want to pray that um, they be lifted and they look for God who is walking with you at all times. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for bringing us here today and bringing us your word, God. Your word is powerful, it's mighty, and we believe 
that it will get us through anything. We believe that you put this book here for us here today to fight through the struggles, to fight through the things that are, that are um, attacking our lives. God, we also believe that you put us through the wilderness. You put us there sometimes to make us grow in faith in you, and we just want to do that today, Lord. We want to lift you up in your glory, and we want to hold your hand as you pull us through that wilderness, and you pull us into where you want us to go. God, I want to lift up our students who are, who've graduated and who are moving on to their next chapter. My biggest prayer is that, God, you give them the strength and the faith, even if they're not here to this, even if they're not here right now, even if they've kind of left our ministry, I pray that you be with them in their walk and their journey. You let them know that, hey, I'm right here. All you've got to do is put your hand out and hold mine, and we'll walk through this together. Lord, I pray that you let them be strong in their faith and their journey, and that you see them through whatever they go through in the next chapter in their life. And God, I also pray for our church. I pray for anyone who is here today that is stuck in a bad spot and, and they don't feel like you're there. Just remind them in some way, shape, or form today that, hey, I'm here with you and we're going to get through this. And when you come out on the other side, you're going to be a stronger believer and our love together is going to grow. God, I pray that you be there with that person today. And I pray that you lift our church through our new journey. We've purchased land, we have a vision to um, serve this community and serve the body of Christ. And I pray that you lift us up to do that. I pray that you let us know, remind us always that you are by our side in any journey we may face. Amen.